this is the Greenhouse Podcast. We share thoughts and practical tips on career and life so you can grow. I'm your host, Steve Perkins, and today with me is Dana Lynn, one of the coaches at Greenhouse. I'm so excited hey. you're on today. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Oh, this is so good to have you. So Dana, you can't see her like I can, but she is coming from Santa Monica, California, zooming into the podcast with me in Richmond, Virginia. So what's the weather? Because we actually have like 70 and sunny weather in Virginia. So <laughs> Our weather is, is always pretty perfect, Steve. So <laughs> don't be Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Dana is one of the coaches here at Greenhouse and also works in a number of other capacities through her business. And today we're talking all about imposter syndrome, which is a topic that she loves to teach on and coach on. And we actually just um, talked about this topic with a big Fortune 500 group recently. So you're, you're got, you have all kinds of thoughts top of mind right now. <laughs> yes. And it always surprises me how everyone experiences imposter syndrome. Even the people you admire, you don't think would have those thoughts. You bring it up. They're like, yep, me. They raise their hand. It's, it, I don't know why it keeps on surprising me, but it does. We all experience it. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And yet so many people feel like they're the only ones feeling yeah. it. So when totally. did you first, like, what sparked this topic for you? Were, were you experiencing it yourself or did it come up some other way when you started really understanding it? A- absolutely. I think I've, I've done a lot of, Steve knows my background, I've done a lot of volunteer work, a lot of nonprofit work when I was young, starting out in college. And so when I moved into the corporate world, I didn't think my skills transferred. So I would take lower paying jobs or lower title and believe, oh, I have to put the hours in and work my way up and overwork and get burned out. And so I thought I had to prove myself with every new job I took. And it wasn't until I just got so burnt out. I'm like, wait, this, this isn't the way to live. Why, why do I have to keep doing this? And, and I you know, had a couple of really good mentors in my late 20s, early 30s that really helped me see well, wait a minute, let's, let's take a look at what you've done and what's the reality here. And a lot of times our reality doesn't match what we think about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, right? And that's all imposter syndrome is. It's just what you've accepted about yourself because of the beliefs that you've developed about yourself or beliefs that you've adopted because you've seen someone else experience something negative. That is helpful. So often yeah. the phrase is used and yet we don't really know what it means. So let's actually start there. Can you put, what's what's your definition for imposter syndrome? Yeah, well, I actually looked it up and I used this for that training. And imposter syndrome, the, the simple definition is just the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. So whether it's a raise or a promotion or winning an award, all the hard work for some reason you forget, you forget and you continually forget and you don't believe that it like you don't believe you deserve it. It's a fluke. The result is a fluke, which is crazy. It is crazy. It almost reminds me of that false humility. False humility. Right. And we, and we think we're being humble, but actually we're just kind of undermining what's true. Right. Right. So 
there's some kind of connection with imposter syndrome to like doubt and limiting beliefs and all this kind of coach stuff. But I don't know. What, what have you seen people, when, when does it come up when you're coaching people? What are they coming to the table with? Like, what are the situations that they're dealing with? It's usually because of something in their past that they've, that they've latched onto. It, it could be maybe a traumatic experience Maybe it's something that keeps on happening. And so they latch onto this story that this is not who they really are, even though they have proof. You know, I like to use the example of, let's say, a small kid who's trying to learn to cook and they don't know how hot the flame is and they burn themselves. Most people, they learn from that. Okay, I'm just going to be more careful. I'm going to do something else. But for some people, it turns them off from cooking ever again. And that's what imposter syndrome does. The one little thing that has happened and you think I can't go that way ever again. It's, it's like my, my little daughter. I think I've shared with you all. She's been picking up skiing. She's probably going to go into extreme sports. She has no fear. Uh, yeah. she, she did this huge tumble and we have her on recording. She tumbled down, looked like she broke her neck. <laughs> Everyone's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm amazing. I'm going to do that again. But for someone like me, I'm like, I'm good. I'm never going to do that. I'm going to go cross country skiing now. I'm never (laughs) going to do downhill skiing ever again. So I think it's, what do you do with your experience? Do you allow that to scare you off or do you keep going and just look at it as fun? Yeah. Gosh, it's so fascinating. Yeah. But it's so common. Why, Why do you think it's so common for people? It's common. We all have something that we are not so sure about ourselves. And it's different for everybody. You could be totally confident in sports, but maybe be insecure at work or maybe insecure in your personal romantic relationships. And it's because we're holding on to that one thing that happened to us in the yeah. past. Mm-hmm. And everyone holds on to something, something different. Some, some of us can overcome certain areas, but other areas, we just believe that's just a big block. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I think so much of this in kind of my first couple jobs, like early career, I always felt like everyone else out there is an expert at this thing. And I don't know how to do it. Like everyone early on, I was an engineer and I thought, well, all the engineers know how to actually do engineering. And I just took some classes in college and I still actually don't know how to do it, but they all know how. And so I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the only one that doesn't know how, and I'm going to have to kind of fake my way through it and somehow convince them that I, that I know what I'm doing. And then, and then I get there in, in kind of my first engineering jobs and realize, oh, they don't, they don't know what they're doing either. Like everyone's just making it up as they go. <laughs> That's the thing. We're really good at picking one area to not be good at when there's really no evidence on that. You know, a great example is my, my mom is very practical. She's very wise. When I was little, um, the, the, co- the high school that I went to in Austin, Texas was very competitive. It's every week we looked who ranked where, what, you know, it was very <laughs> stressful. And I developed a belief that all these other kids, because they've taken science more than me, I'm just never going to score as well. And so I gave every excuse to set my mom up to expect not an A. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And my mom would be like, Dana, you're not stupid. I love my mom. She would be like, you're not that stupid. I'm like, thanks, mom. She's like, look, they have a brain. You have a brain. They have the same teacher. You have the same teacher. They have the same book. So 
there's no way there's no really no reason you yeah. wouldn't but i gave i made up the excuses even before yeah it's the story that developed in your head and right. now you believe it and it's actually a true story to you now it's like revisionist <laughs> history <laughs> it snowballs you keep on attaching yeah more evidence i know we're going to talk about evidence later but more evidence to support this limiting belief that you have uh, like oh where else did i mess up where else did i falter that's just more proof i can't do it yeah i always i always liken it to um and I had this experience, I don't know if everyone did or if it's just in the movies, but in like fourth grade or something, I had a crush on this girl and I didn't know it, but she also had a crush on me. Oh, that's so sweet. So for like the entire year, you know, that whole school year, I'm like dreaming about, oh man, what, you know, whatever, like quote unquote, I'm doing air, big air quotes dating looks like at that age, you know, I was like, oh man, if only, and she was somehow thinking like, a similar thing. And then at the end of the year, some, some like mediator friend told us both like, you know, the other one likes you, right? Oh my goodness. I was like, Oh no, this whole time. And now we're like moving on to different grades, (laughs) but, but it's like the, Hey, um, I like you, you like me. Right. If somehow somebody in the middle would have told us we could have just moved forward, but exactly but we're all spinning up these stories in our head about about our imposter syndrome and if it's like if somebody in the middle would just tell would have just told me that i'm actually pretty normal then we could have moved forward (laughs) (laughs) well see something must have happened to you and it doesn't have to be traumatic maybe it's a tv show or a movie that you saw as a kid that put in your mind you can't be honest with your feelings you can't ask someone out they'll probably reject you. So something, something planted that seed that kind of just grew and you latched onto it. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's completely what happened. Same thing with her too, right? She didn't speak up either. (laughs) Yeah. It was really her fault, right? Let's be (laughs) Both of you. (laughs) So, so we're talking a little more in career and leadership, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think what I'm picking up already is this is just common in life in general. Um, but before we dive into some of the tactics, uh, some of the how to about how to deal with this and overcome this, what's, if, if it's a coin with two sides and one side is the imposter syndrome, the the false narrative, what's the other side? Like what's the healthy approach or view of things? I think just having a real sober look at who you are and, knowing yourself and not attaching your value or your worth to something outside of you. So, so there are practices, there are ways we can start looking at our lives to make us feel a little bit more confident, to feel more value. You know, I always tell people start a list of all the wonderful things about you, but that's just really to get you into the habit of letting go of judgment. Mm. I think one of, one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to just Use these opportunities to reflect back to yourself and ask yourself, why am I judging myself this way? Why am I holding myself to such an impossible I- ideal? You know, and, and I think the more gentle you can be with yourself, the kinder you can start to be with yourself, the, the, the less harsh you can be with yourself and the more accepting you are. I think that's really the mm. first biggest step you can take towards, towards any sort of self self-care self-improvement work that's that's really great I, I think sunny and i have talked on the podcast before about the difference between confidence and arrogance 
Right. And you mentioned in the definition at the beginning, like believing that your success is deserved. Right. <laughs> and yeah, how, how quickly we can jump, especially the type of people who listen to this podcast. I think it's, we've seen over and over is very common that, oh, I don't want to think too highly of myself. I kind of talk, kind of talk down about myself and sure. Like, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want you to be arrogant, right. but that's the disconnect. It's, it doesn't mean, well, I'm either all the way over here kind of like believing my success isn't deserved and I'm nothing or all the way over here and I'm, and I'm arrogant. There's something in the middle, which is just kind of humble confidence and, and realizing the truth about yourself. No, right. you are good at these things. You do have these abilities. Yeah. This success is deserved. Um, and that's not arrogant. People actually are pretty attracted to people who are just confident about what's true. Right. right. And then, and I think the, the more, I know we're going to talk about some of the practices, but I think one of the goals also is on the flip side is, is completely letting go of achievements as part of your self-worth. Like you are good enough and you are worthy completely without your accolades, your awards, your job title, your salary. And I think that's a good step towards it. But I think at the end of the day, if you can even let that go hmm. and just completely accept yourself as is, like just imagine how much you love your own child, that just unconditional. If you can start towards feeling more unconditional for yourselves, I think that's, that's a huge step in tackling the imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is really attachment attachment to certain beliefs that aren't, aren't healthy for you that are really negative. That's, that's weighing you down. That's what it is. Imposter syndrome is really a fancy word for just insecurity or self-doubt lack of certainty about yourself. Yeah. So if I want to move forward on this, it sounds like there's some deep work, like there's definitely some, a lot of internal stuff going on. Right. And one of the things I love about the way you coach and help people is, is that balance of yes, mindset and internal stuff that takes a lot of time and you ne- you maybe never even cross some finish line, but on the way there are definitely tactical, practical steps you can take. You don't just have to kind of throw your hands in the air and be like, well, <laughs> this sounds impossible. <laughs> um, so take us into that. Like I would, I would love for you to just share a little bit of your framework on how do you identify these, these negative beliefs, these imposter syndrome things going on and how do you start to change them in a practical way? Absolutely. And I really like the way you set it up. It's not, it's not a bandaid you can rip off and, and change overnight. This it's, it's a lot like your health. It's a lot like dieting and exercise. You, if you start exercising, you start an exercise routine or a diet routine, you're not going to see results tomorrow or even next week. And especially if you want to do it the healthy way where it sticks, it's going to take a little bit of time. So be patient with yourself. If you have a limiting belief that's been with you for a really long time, you've exercised those beliefs. Your beliefs is really a muscle. It's, it's like physical exercise. When, when I was younger, I, my brother tried to teach me how to play tennis and I was horrible at it because I learned how to serve the wrong way. But I've been serving a certain way. My muscles kept on serving, holding the racket the wrong way. And so my shoulders would hurt. So it took great effort to consciously decide every single time, stop using the wrong muscles and start using the right one. But it took time and mistakes before I was able to pick up a new habit and recreate new automated muscles so that my shoulders stopped hurting and I was 
serving the right way. So it's, it's the same thing with our beliefs. I would say sit down when, and, and Steve, you, you have a great process where you block out maybe 30 minutes every week to do this kind of work. I would block out 30 minutes sometime this week. Weekends are best. And just sit with yourself. Okay, what are some of my biggest negative limiting beliefs about myself? And sometimes you don't know how to write those beliefs down. Look at the results. What are the consequences in your life? You know, Steve gave a great example. It was because you didn't ask that some, somebody out that you were interested in. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe you have great idea at work and you just, and every time someone else's idea gets adopted, it doesn't work out as well. So yeah. the negative consequences, your work is not going great. People are losing money because you're not expressing your great idea. So whatever that is, is you, you, maybe you, you're afraid to speak up. Maybe your limiting belief is you just don't believe you have good ideas. And yeah. write a few, a few different ideas, write a few beliefs down and then pick the biggest one. I would say pick one. Always pick one to work on because, again, it's a lot like physical exercise. You work on one muscle, the rest of your body is going to benefit. So, for instance, you know, Steve, you and I work with a lot of people that are making major career changes in their career. And one of the biggest limiting beliefs around that is I'm just too old. It's too late for me to make a change. Or they're hiring all these young people for a better, you know, lower salary. So if age is your number one limiting belief, let's work on that. Now you want to ask yourself, well, why do I believe this? Did something happen? Did somebody say something? And really ask yourself, take a clear, sober look. And what is the real answer? Is it something that you made up? Is it something you heard in the news or saw in a movie? Did you see your friend or did you experience it yourself? See, the more accurate you are with where you've developed this belief, because sometimes when you discover, oh, it was just because so-and-so didn't happen to me, that could release it right away. Maybe it's not that deep of a belief. But by asking yourself how you developed it, then you know how deep it's got its claws on you. And then you kind of have an idea of how much you need to work on it. So once you've identified where you've adopted that belief, you know, a lot of times some clients say I'm too old and I know I'm too old because I was let go. They said, you know, we're, you're one of the highest paying executives at this company. So we're just going to let you go. So they've attached themselves to that belief. So now you want to look for incidences, for evidence that proves that age really isn't the issue, that your negative belief is wrong. It's false. So, so where looking yeah. for evidence to the contrary, like, absolutely. Here's the belief and where it came from. Now I'm searching for evidence that suggests what's actually true on the other side of that coin. Absolutely. And you can use evidence from your own life. Think of an incidence where your age, your experience, your maturity really came in and made a difference and saved the day. Write it down. And sometimes we're so down on ourselves, we can't think of what we've done. So you know what? Borrow someone else's example. I always use celebrity examples or athletes examples uh -huh. because I'm so down on myself. I just need like big giant dose of motivation to kick my butt in the right direction. And what that does is it starts to help you open your eyes to possibilities. And my mom was great at this. You know, if someone else has a brain and you have a brain, you can figure it out. She was just so, like, I wanted to strangle her at times because it was so infuriating, but she's right. She's right. Yeah. 
And the awesome thing about this is it helps you see that other people have gone through it as well. You're not alone. Mm, that's, that's a great point because it, we were talking earlier about kind of transferable skills and that's another career change one we hear lies. Yeah, I've just got this imposter syndrome because I want to go into this field, but my background is a different set of experiences and skills. So it's like, I've always been a project manager and now I want to be, you know, uh, a creative director. So I'm never going to get a role like that because I haven't done it before. Right. And it's like, yeah, but look at the skills you exhibited in those previous roles. You were always creative. You were always, you know, kind of leading the group and these things that transfer into this other role and, and you start kind of maybe even asking others for that evidence who know you yes. and it's like, Oh yeah, you would actually be great at that. And, and pointing out why. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because the next thing is go outside of yourself. Who are fans of you? Who like you? Who likes you? Ask them for evidence to prove this negative belief wrong and add to that. And here's the key. When you're finding evidence to prove it wrong, be really detailed because here's the thing. When it comes to our negative beliefs and experiences, we tend to replay that in our mind with great detail. Anything bad that happens to us, it sticks to us like Velcro. You know, there's, there's a neuro, neuroscientist, his name is Dr. Rick Hansen. He says that negative, negative things that happens to us, it sticks to us like Velcro. But positive things, it slides off of you like Teflon. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's so <laughs> true. I, this was a different neuroscientist, but I, I literally saw her play a video of somehow under, you know, like an electron microscope. It was, it was negative thoughts and positive thoughts yeah. and they were recording what happened to the neurons and literally uh then the positive thought would kind of grow it a little bit right. and the negative thought would just yeah. turn black and spread like wildfire it was it was wild this which is why you have to make a great effort physically writing it down and being really detailed so for instance if age was an issue we brought that up you want to think about, well, that one time I saved the day because of my years of experience, I was able to go in and prevent the company from losing all this money. Don't just write that. Get specific. Who was involved? What was the date, the location? What was going on? And be really, really detailed because the more detailed we can put on there, the more the other negative evidence can start to loosen up. And you know, I said, set, when you first start this, I said, set aside 30 minutes this week uh -huh. to make up that list. But really this practice, I like for you to do every day for three to five minutes, three to five minutes. Think up of one piece of new evidence that proves that your negative belief, that your imposter syndrome belief is wrong. So a new belief every single day. So that at the end of the week, at the end of the month, your evidence proving yourself worthy far outweighs that other piece that you've been holding on to. And at the end of the day, what's really awesome is after a few weeks or a month or even less than that, you're going to look at the other beliefs that you've held and you're going to notice they're not as bad as when you first started because working on this one thing really loosens the grip of those negative beliefs. Well, I'm thinking about, an area I want to try this for myself, which mm -hmm. is in this age of media snippets, 
we also tend to see the best of the best. You know, like lately I've been watching music documentaries of some of the biggest kind of pop stars. Well, if you watch that every day for a couple of weeks, all of a sudden I'm comparing myself to these few top 0.0001% of people in the world who are the best of the best of the best. Well, of, you know, but in reality, I'm, I'm skipping all the people in between in the sea of other people who are maybe more average and just comparing myself to them. And so, and so the evidence of, wait a minute, but what have people said in my life? What are the results of what I'm doing? All of a sudden that can, that can start to, like you said, diffuse, uh, diffuse all, all of the story I've built up in my head. And so right. I'll do the same thing like with those musicians, with other people in my field of work and absolutely, and say, Oh, but you know, we were talking earlier about Simon Sinek and he's, oh, yeah. he's great, great at what he does. And he has such yeah. a huge audience. It's like, well, why would anyone want to listen to this podcast episode when you've got Simon Sinek? <laughs> and it's like, well, first of all, let's, let's address the fact that, you know, he's that maybe upper echelon of, you know, the, the top 0.1%. But also there's just a reality of he had to also work through the stages to get to where he's at. And maybe right. it's through one of those stages right now. Maybe right. I will or will not ever get to the point where he's at. But the reality is at some point he was here too and had to kind of to show up confidently, you know, stand in, in what he knows is true about himself and keep moving forward. He didn't just wake up one day and he was, you know, right. not the place he was at now in his career. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of us that, that are, might be listening to this are coaches or trainers out there. And we, sometimes we feel that way. Well, you have all these other people out there. Why, why, why me? And I remember I had a mentor one time where, and she told me, well, not everyone's going to connect with everybody else. There's, there's somebody out there who can only connect to your story or, or the way you say things, or maybe it's your background. So you need to be out there and you need to be sharing your stories and helping because, you know, Simon Sinek, he can't help everybody. You know, right. enough time. If I, if I listen to a talk he gives, I'm like, man, that's great. I want to work on that. I need yeah. help. I probably am not going to get a one-on-one session with him. <laughs> Right. But I might be able to get a one-on-one session with you and you know his stuff right. and you're able to help me in that same vein. And it's more of, you know, it takes a village to raise that person. Maybe there's different players involved. That doesn't mean just because he exists, I'm, I'm not important right. in the picture. Right. Absolutely. And then another thing that's really helpful as well is when each day when you just add one piece of evidence is to also do a little bit, a few seconds of visualization of just in math. And professional athletes do this all the time. So on top of their rigid exercise and diet regimen, they also envision winning that trophy, crossing the finish line, beating their record. So whatever it is that your limiting belief is you're working on, just think what's the opposite of that belief. If it's, I don't have enough experience to go into my own business. What's the opposite belief? What's the opposite feeling? And then just imagine a future scenario of you doing well in that. So it's like a professional athlete 
imagining slam dunking, making that three point or whatever it is. Yeah. It's the same way. Imagine yourself closing a business deal or closing the sale and short snippets. We don't want you going into dreamland, fantasy land. This is not what that is. This is just real quick envisioning because that helps put all this work into physical exercise in your brain. And sometimes by that few seconds, I always say, don't do more than 30 seconds of visioning work every single day. That really helps you clarify your path sometimes, because sometimes, especially with clients that are looking to pivot and they don't know what they get into, by doing a 30-second visualization, you can clarify if that's what you really want or not. Sometimes you go into that vision and you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I don't want to experience that. Let me clean that up a little bit. Let me adjust my strategy here. Yeah, and sometimes people, sometimes that that envisioning thing, because of different ways we've heard about it in the past, or you know the memes attached to it, we're kind of there's a stigma, um, and so I think it's helpful you're describing it. It's such a, it's actually a very simple practical step, but also it doesn't have to be scary. I've I've heard people say before, I don't know, how, I'm not like a visionary. I don't know how to do that. Well, no, think about if you're having a get together on the weekend and you're planning it, like that is envisioning. You're actually kind of picturing what it might look like when people show up, how it's going to happen, what food there might be, where, where you're going to hang out. And that's envisioning, right? Like that, that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And another reason why we do this is because when we have imposter syndrome, when we have those limiting beliefs, we're replaying a certain scenario. So you're already making up a scenario. So let's fight those muscles, get rid of those negative muscles and start building a positive future scenario. You're already, you're already doing it. You're already envisioning yeah. in the wrong direction. Right. right. Which is why it keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anything else? So, so first you're kind of blocking 30 minutes. You're going to list out some limiting beliefs and how you developed each of them. And then you're going to do the steps you talked about to look for evidence to prove them wrong. Yeah. And, and then this kind of daily step of some more noticing and envisioning to keep working the muscle right. in the right, right direction. Right. Is there anything else? Yeah. Every day I would pick the same time to do those five minutes of finding one new piece of evidence and doing the envisioning work. The reason why you want to do that is not that it's, it's a lot like eating healthy. You don't eat one healthy meal a day and you're done. You start with that because you want to practice the muscle of I'm going to make healthy decisions at each meal. So that's what this practice is going to bring you, that you start with this practice every day, hoping that the rest of the day, if a negative feeling, a negative belief pops up, you're going to practice what you've been practicing. Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to replay this negative scenario. I'm not going to do this again. I want to practice a new muscle I've been practicing. So that's the purpose of this is so that when it shows up, you can make the right choice. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're telling me that just I had a salad the other day and right. then a bunch of buffalo wings yeah. and madness. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. It's okay if you falter. It's okay if you miss it. It's okay if you mess up. We all fall off the wagon when it comes to our diet, right? I have a piece of dessert when I'm not supposed to. This is not to beat yourself up. This is to get you to take notice and to treat yourself better. But no, yeah, noticing those yeah. trigger points of when you go, you're starting to go into that, that imposter belief or narrative. And once you notice what that is, you can catch yourself and turn it 
in a different absolutely. direction. Absolutely. Another thing is also if, if you're, if it's about speaking up, this is one of the, another limiting belief, you don't trust your ideas, you don't trust yourself, so you don't speak up. So if you're practicing this and you're practicing gathering evidence and you're envisioning, you know, being in a meeting and being confident, the next time you're at a meeting and you know, your habit is to not speak up but you've been practicing this, you can stop yourself and be like, no, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to go off mute. I'm going to do something. I'm going to send an email. So, so again, this is to help you build new muscles, but also help you not fall into the same traps because it's not just our beliefs. Our beliefs create certain habits that helps us do things that sabotages us in some way. So, and, and, and you define what that is for you. For younger Steve, it might have been maybe if your friend didn't tell you what was really going on, maybe you would have never gotten over asking someone out and you wouldn't be married today. <laughs> Happily married with kids, right? So at some point, we, we had to give up that negativity and start doing the opposite. And that's what this is for, is to stop going de- getting the same results that we don't want. That's what this is all about. Well, thanks for sharing from your wisdom and experience today, Dana. This is... Thank you. You know... I could, I could just continue to talk about this forever. It's such a fascinating topic, but we, I think we it's all fun. experience elements of it. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening and you want more help with this, uh, Dana coaches inside our membership. You can join the free community at members.greenhouseculture.co. And you can also connect with Dana there. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And I will leave you with this. I have a limiting belief list from 12 years ago. So I don't recognize myself. I really encourage everyone to do something like this. It's awesome to see how much you can grow and change over the years. Okay. Can we put that in the show notes? (laughs) (laughs) I can give you a snippet. (laughs) No problem. All right. Thanks for coming on, Dana. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Do you want more great content like this, but 24-7? Check out our membership, The Greenhouse Method. It's an online course with built-in community and coaching made just for you to figure out what's next in your life, leadership, career, or business. Visit greenhouseculture.co, that's .co, or the link in the show notes to learn more.